0: chapter three of william lloyd garrison the abolitionist by archibald grimke this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the man begins his ministry sometime in august eighteen twenty nine garrison landed in baltimore and began with Lundy the editorship of the genius of universal emancipation radical as the park street church address was it had nevertheless ceased to represent in one essential matter his anti-slavery convictions and principles the moral impetus and groundswell of the address had carried him beyond the position where his first flood of feeling had for the moment left him during the composition of the address he was transported with grief and indignation at the monstrous wrong which slavery did the slaves and the nation he had not thought out for himself any means to rid both of the curse the white heat of the address destroyed for the instant all capacity for such thinking who can be amazed temperate and furious in a moment no man the expedition of his violent love outran the pauser reason he had accepted the colonization scheme as an instrument for removing the evil and called on all good citizens to assist in establishing auxiliary colonization societies in every state county and town and implored their direct and liberal patronage to the parent society he had not apparently so much as dreamed of any other than gradual emancipation the emancipation of all the slaves of this generation is most assuredly out of the question he said the fabric which now towers above the alps must be taken away brick by brick and foot by foot till it is reduced so low that it may be overturned without burying the nation in its ruins years may elapse before the completion of the achievement generations of blacks may go down to the grave manacled and lacerated without a hope for their children he was on the fourth of july a firm and earnest believer in the equity and efficacy of gradualism but after that day and some time before his departure for baltimore he began to think on this subject the more he thought the less did gradualism seem defensible on moral grounds john wesley had said that slavery was the sum of all villainies it was indeed the sin of sins and as such ought to be abandoned not gradually but immediately slaveholding was sin and slaveholders were sinners the sin and sinner should both be denounced as such and the latter called to instant repentance and the duty of making immediate restitution of the stolen liberties of their slaves this was the tone ministers of religion held everywhere toward sin and sinners and there should be the tone held by the preachers of abolition toward slavery and slaveholders to admit the principle of gradualism was for abolition to emasculate itself of its most virile quality garrison consequently rejected gradualism as a weapon and took up instead the great and quickening doctrine of immediatism Lundy did not know of this change in the convictions of his coadjutor until his arrival in baltimore then garrison frankly unburdened himself and declared his decision to conduct his campaign against the national iniquity along the lines of immediate and unconditional emancipation the two on this new radicalism did not see eye to eye but Lundy, with sententious shrewdness and liberality suggested to the young radical thee may put thy initials to thy articles and i will put my initials to mine and each will bear his own burden and the arrangement pleased the young radical for it enabled him to free his soul of the necessity which was then sitting heavily upon it the precise state of his mind in respect of the question at this juncture in its history and in his own he is made plain enough in his salutatory address in the genius of universal emancipation the vow made in Bennington ten months before to devote his life to philanthropy and the dedication of himself made six months afterward to the extirpation of american slavery he solemnly renews and reseals in baltimore he does not hate intemperance and war less but slavery more and those therefore he formally relegates thenceforth to a place of secondary importance in the endeavors of the future it is obvious that the colonization scheme has no strong hold upon his intelligence he does not conceal his respect for it as an instrument of freedom but he puts no high value on its utility it may pluck a few leaves he remarks from the bohan upas but can neither extract its roots nor destroy its withering properties viewed as an auxiliary it deserves encouragement but as a remedy it is altogether inadequate but this was not all as a remedy colonization was not only altogether inadequate its influence was indirectly pernicious in that it lulled the populist mind into a belief that the monster has received his mortal wound he perceived that this resultant indifference and apathy operated to the advantage of slavery and to the injury of freedom small therefore as was the good which the colonization society was able to achieve it was mixed with no little ill although gerson has not yet begun to think on the subject to examine into the motives and purposes of the society it does not take a prophet to foresee that some day he will he had already arrived at conclusions in respect of the rights of the colored people to choose their own dwelling place and against the iniquity of their expatriation which cut directly at the roots of the colonization scheme later the pro-slavery character of the society will be wholly revealed to him but truth in the breast of a reformer as of others must needs follow the great law of moral growth first the blade then the ear and then the full corn in the ear it is enough that he has made the tremendous step from gradual to immediate and unconditional emancipation on the soil at this period he tested the disposition of slaveholders to manumit their slaves the colonization society had given it out that there was no little desire on the part of many masters to set their slaves free all that was wanted for a practical demonstration in this direction was the assurance of free transportation out of the country for the emancipated slaves Lundy had made arrangement for the transportation of fifty slaves to haiti and their settlement in that country so he and Garrison advertised this fact in a genius but they waited in vain for a favorable response from the south notwithstanding the following humane inducement which this advertisement offered the price of passage will be advanced in everything furnished of which they may stand in need until they shall have time to prepare their houses and set into work no master was moved to take advantage of the opportunity this was discouraging to the believers in the efficacy of colonization as a potent anti-slavery instrument but garrison was no such believer with unerring moral instinct he had from the start placed his reliance on nothing but the eternal principles of justice for the speedy overthrow of slavery he obtained at this period an intimate personal knowledge of the free-coloured people he saw that they were not essentially unlike other races that there was nothing morally or intellectually peculiar about them and that the evil or the good which they manifested was the common property of mankind in similar circumstances he forthwith became their brave defender against the common slanders of the times there is a prevalent disposition among all classes to traduce the habits and morals of our free blacks he remarked in the genius the most scandalous exaggerations in regard to their condition are circulated by a thousand mischievous tongues and no reproach seems to them too deep or unmerited vile and malignant indeed is this practice and culpable are they who follow it we do not pretend to say that crime intemperance and suffering to a considerable extent cannot be found among the free blacks but we do assert that they are as moral peaceable and industrious as that class of the whites who are like them in indigent circumstances and far less intemperate than the great body of foreign immigrants who infest and corrupt our shores this idea of the natural equality of the races he presented in the genius a few weeks before with darwinian breadth in the following admirable sentences i deny the postulate that god has made by an irreversible decree or any inherent qualities one portion of the human race superior to another no matter how many breeds are amalgamated no matter how many shades of color intervene between tribes or nations give them the same chances to improve and affairs start at the same time and the result will be equally brilliant equally productive equally grand at the same time that he was making active personal acquaintance with the free colored people he was making actual personal acquaintance with the barbarism of slavery also the distinct application of a whip and the shrieks of anguish of the slave his residence in baltimore had taught him was nothing uncommon in that city such an instance had come to him while in the street where the office of the genius was located it was what was occurring at almost all hours of the day and in almost all parts of the town he had not been in baltimore a month when he saw a specimen of the brutality of slavery on the person of a negro who had been mercilessly flogged on his back were thirty-seven gashes made with a cowskin while on his head were many bruises besides it was a sunday morning fresh from his terrible punishment that the poor fellow had found the editors of the genius who with the compassion of brothers took him in dressed his wounds and cared for him for two days such an experience was no new horror to lundy but it was doubtless garrison's first lesson in that line and it sank many fathoms deep into his heart maryland was one of the slave-breeding states and baltimore a slave emporium there was enacted the whole business of slavery as a commercial enterprise here the human chattels were brought and here warehoused in jails and other places of storage and detention here they were put up at public auction and knocked down to the highest bidder and from here they were shipped to new orleans the great distributing center for such merchandise he heard what lundy had years before heard the wail of captive mothers and fathers wives husbands and children torn from each other like Lundy, he felt their pang of distress and the iron entered his soul he could not hold his peace in the midst of such abominations but boldly exposed and denounced them his indignation grew hot when he saw that northern vessels were largely engaged in the coast-wise slave trade and when to his amazement he learned that the ship francis owned by francis todd a newburyport merchant had sailed for new orleans with a gang of seventy-five slaves his indignation burst into blaze he blazoned the act and the name of francis todd in the genius and did verily what he had resolved to do viz to cover with thick infamy all who were concerned in this nefarious business the captain as well as the owner of the ill-freighted ship he did literally point at these men the finger of scorn every device known to the printer's art for concentrating the reader's attention upon particular words and sentences garrison made skilful use of in his articles from the deep damnation of the heavy black capitals in which he printed the name francis Todd, to the small caps in which appeared the words sentence to solitary confinement for life and which he flanked with two terrible indices but the articles did not need such embellishment they were red-hot branding irons without them one can almost smell the odour of burning flesh as he reads the words it is no worse to fit out piratical cruisers or to engage in the foreign slave trade than to pursue a similar trade along our coast and the men who have the wickedness to participate therein for the purpose of keeping up wealth should be finger-pointing sentenced to solitary confinement for life finger pointing they are the enemies of their own species highway robbers and murderers and their final doom will be unless they speedily repent to occupy the lowest steps of perdition i know that our laws make a distinction in this matter i know that the man who was allowed to freight his vessel with slaves at home for a distant market would be thought worthy of death if he should take a similar freight on the coast of africa but i know too that this distinction is absurd and at war with the common sense of mankind and that god and good men regard it with abhorrence i recollect that it was always a mystery in newburyport how mr todd contrived to make profitable voyages to new orleans and other places when other merchants with as fair an opportunity to make money and sending to the same ports at the same time invariably made fewer successful speculations the mystery seems to be unraveled any man can gather up riches if he does not care by what means they are obtained a copy of the genius containing this article garrison sent to the owner of the ship francis what followed made it immediately manifest that the branding-irons of the reformer had burned home with scarifying effect mr todd's answer to the strictures was a suit at law against the editors of the genius for five thousand dollars in damages but this was not all the grand jury for baltimore indicted them for publishing a gross and malicious libel against francis todd and nicholas brown this was at the february term eighteen thirty on the first day of march following garrison was tried he was ably and eloquently defended by charles mitchell a young lawyer of the baltimore bar but the prejudice of judge and jury rendered the verdict of guilty a foregone conclusion april seventeenth eighteen thirty the court imposed a penalty of fifty dollars in costs which with the fine amounted in all to nearly one hundred dollars the fine and cost garrison could not pay and he was therefore committed to jail as a common malefactor his confinement lasted seven weeks he did not languish during this period his head and hands were in fact hardly ever more active and during the term of his imprisonment shut up by maryland justice from work without the jail he found and did that which needed to be done within high walls and huge he was an extraordinary prisoner and was treated with extraordinary consideration by the warden he proved himself a genuine evangel to the prisoners visiting them in their cells cheering them by his buoyant and benevolent words giving them what he had a brother's sympathy which to these ill-fated ones was more than gold or silver he indicted for such of them as he deemed deserving letters and petitions to the governor praying their pardon and he had the great satisfaction of seeing many of his efforts in this regard crowned with success but more than this his imprisonment afforded him an opportunity for a closer acquaintance with the barbarism of slavery than he could possibly have made had he lived otherwise in baltimore a southern jail was not only the place of detention of offenders against social justice but of slaves waiting for the next market day of recaptured fugitives waiting for their owners to reclaim them here they were huddled and caged pitiful and despairing in their misery such scenes sickened the young reformer every day got it open to him the darkest chapter in the book of the negro's wrongs here is a page from that black volume of oppression and cruelty the record of which he has preserved in the following graphic narrative during my late incarceration in baltimore prison four men came to obtain a runaway slave he was brought out of his cell to confront his master but pretended not to know him did not know that he had ever seen him before could not recollect his name of course the master was exceedingly irritated don't you remember said he when i gave you not long since thirty-nine lashes under the apple tree another time when i gave you a sound flogging in the barn another time when you was scourged for giving me the lie by saying that the horse was in a good condition yes replied the slave whose memory was thus quickened i do recollect you have beaten me cruelly without cause you have not given me enough to eat and drink and i don't want to go back again i wish you to sell me to another master i'd rather even go to georgia than to return home i'll let you know you villain said the master that my wishes and not yours are to be consulted i'll learn you how to run away again the other men advised him to take the black home and cut him up in inch pieces for his impudence obstinacy and desertion swearing tremendously all the while the slave was ordered back to his cell then ensued the following colloquy between garrison and the master garrison sir what right have you to that poor creature master my father left him to me garrison suppose your father had broken into a bank and stolen ten thousand dollars and safely bequeathed that as a legacy could you conscientiously keep the money for myself i had rather rob any bank to an indefinite amount than kidnap a fellow-being or hold him in bondage the sin would be less injurious to society and less sinful in the sight of god Master, perhaps you would like to buy the slave and give him his liberty. Garrison, sir, I am a poor man, and were I ever so opulent, it would be necessary on your part to make out a clear title to the services of the slave before I could conscientiously make a bargain. Master, well, sir, I can prove from the bible that slavery is right. Garrison, ah, that is a precious book, the rule of conduct. I have always supposed that its spirit was directly opposed to everything in the shape of fraud and oppression however sir i should be glad to hear your text master Hesitatingly, ham noah's curse you know garrison hastily oh sir you build on a very slender foundation granting even what remains to be proved that the africans are the descendants of ham noah's curse was a prediction of future servitude and not an injunction to oppress pray sir is it a careful desire to fulfil the scriptures or to make money that induces you to hold your fellow-men in bondage master excitedly why sir do you really think that the slaves are beings like ourselves that is i mean do you believe that they possess the same faculties and capacities as the whites garrison energetically certainly sir i do not know that there is any moral or intellectual quality in the curl of the hair or the color of the skin i cannot conceive why a black man may not as reasonably object to my color as i to his sir it is not a black face that i detest but a black heart and i find it very often under a white skin master derisively. well sir how should you like to see a black man president of the united states garrison severely as to that sir i am a true republican and bow to the will of the majority if the people prefer a black president i should cheerfully submit and if he be qualified for the station may peradventure give him my vote master triumphantly how should you like to have a black man marry your daughter garrison making a home thrust and an end of the dialogue i am not married i have no daughter sir i am not familiar with your practices but allow me to say that slaveholders generally should be the last persons to effect fastidiousness on that point for they seem to be enamoured with amalgamation garrison's pen was particularly busy during the term of his imprisonment he paid his respects to the state's attorney who prosecuted him to the judge who condemned him and to francis todd the owner of the ship francis he prepared and scattered broadcast a true account of his trial showing how the liberty of the press had been violated in the case he did not doubt that it would astonish europe if it were known there that an american citizen lies incarcerated in prison for having denounced slavery and its abettors in his own country the fact created no little astonishment in America. Slavery became distinctly connected for the first time with abridgments of the freedom of the press and the right of free speech and The cause of the slave became involved with the constitutional liberties of the republic in punishing garrison. The abolitionists the rights of garrison, the white freeman were trampled on, and white freemen in the north who cared nothing for abolitionism but a great deal for their right to speak and write freely resented the outrage this fact was the most important consequence which flowed from the trial and imprisonment of the young editor of the genius of universal emancipation as the news of my imprisonment became extensively known he wrote and the merits of the case understood not a mail rolled into the city but it brought me consolatory letters from individuals hitherto unknown to me and periodicals of all kinds from every section of the union not even excepting the South, all uniting to give me a triumphant acquittal all severely reprehending the conduct of mr todd and all regarding my trial as a markery of justice this unexpected result was one of those accidents of history which have laws as fixed as planets have the prosecution and imprisonment of Garrison was without doubt designed to terrorize him into silence on the subject of slavery but his persecutors had reckoned without a knowledge of their victim garrison had the martyr's temperament and invincibility of purpose his earnestness burned the more intensely with the growth of opposition and peril within gloomy walls close pent he warbled gay as a bird of a freedom which tyrants could not touch nor bolts confine no chains can bind it and no cell unclose swifter than light it flies from pole to pole and in a flash from earth to heaven it goes or with deep stern gladness sang he to the guiltless prisoner how a martyr's crown is richer than a king's think it an honor with thy lord to bleed and glory bits intense intensest sufferings though beat imprisoned put to open shame time shall embalm and magnify thy name is it supposed by judge bryce the guiltless prisoner wrote from his cell that his frowns can intimidate me or his sentence stifle my voice on the subject of african oppression he does not know me so long as a good providence gives me strength and intellect i will not cease to declare that the existence of slavery in this country is a foul reproach to the american name nor will i hesitate to proclaim the guilt of kidnappers slave abettors or slave owners wheresoever they may reside or however high they may be exalted i am only in the alphabet of my task time shall perfect a useful work it is my shame that i have done so little for the people of color yea before god i feel humbled that my feelings are so cold and my language so weak a few white victims must be sacrificed to open the eyes of this nation and to show the tyranny of our laws i expect and am willing to be persecuted imprisoned and bound for advocating african rights and i should deserve to be a slave myself if i shrunk from that duty or danger the story of the trial of william lloyd garrison from which the above brave words are taken fell into the hands of that noble man and munificent merchant arthur tappan of new york from the reading of it he rose with that deep feeling of abhorrence of slavery and its abettors which every one must feel who is capable of appreciating the blessings of liberty and thereupon notified Lundy to draw upon him for one hundred dollars if that amount would give the young editor his liberty the filing costs of court were accordingly paid and just forty-nine days after entering baltimore jail a prisoner garrison recovered his freedom the civil action of todd against him was still pending nothing daunted garrison went north two days after his discharge to obtain certain evidence deemed important by his counsel to his defense he took with him an open letter from lundy looking to the renewal of the weekly genius under their joint control prior to garrison's trial the paper had fallen into great stress for want of money lundy and he had made a division of their labors the latter doing the editorial and office work while the former traveled from place to place soliciting subscriptions and collecting generally the sinews of war but the experiment was not successful from a business standpoint for as garrison playfully observed subsequently where friend lundy could get one new subscriber i could knock a dozen off and i did so it was the old experiment of the frog in the well that went two feet up and fell three feet back at every jump where the income of the paper did not exceed fifty dollars in four months and the weekly expenditure amounted to at least that sum the financial failure of the enterprise was inevitable this unhappy event did actually occur six weeks before the junior editor went to jail and the partnership was formally dissolved in the issue of the genius of march five eighteen thirty but when arthur tappan made his generous offer of a hundred dollars to effect garrison's release he made at the same time an offer of an equal amount to aid the editors in re-establishing the genius this proposition led to hope's on the part of the two friends to a renewal of their partnership in the cause of emancipation and so Garrison's visit to the north was taken advantage of to test the disposition of northern philanthropy to support such a paper but what he found was a sad lack of interest in the slave everywhere he went he encountered what appeared to him to be the most monstrous indifference and apathy on the subject the prejudices of the free states seemed to him stronger than were those of the south instead of receiving aid and encouragement to continue the good work of himself and coadjutor and for the doing of which he had served a term of seven weeks in prison men even his best friends sought to influence him to give it up and to persuade him to forsake the slave and to turn his time and talents to safer and more profitable enterprises nearer home he was informed by these worldly wise men and job's counsellors that his scheme was visionary fanatical unattainable why should he make himself they argued an exile from home and all that be held dear on earth and sojourn in a strange land among enemies whose hearts were dead to every noble sentiment Ah, he himself confessed that all were against his return to baltimore, but his love of the slave was stronger than the strength of the temptation he put all these selfish objections behind him as he has recorded the result of this experience opposition served only to increase my ardor and confirm my purpose strange and incomprehensible to his fellows is the man who prefers persecution reproach and poverty with duty to worldly ease and honor and riches without it when a man appears in society who is not controlled by motives which usually govern the conduct of other men he becomes at first an object of pity then of contempt and lastly of hate garrison we may be sure at the end of this visit had made rapid transit from the first to the second of these stages in the esteem of his generation his experience was not all of this deplorable kind he left baltimore without the money required to pay his way north depending literally upon the good god to provide for him the necessary means to complete his journey and such help was more than once providentially afforded the young apostle of liberty at new york when he did not know how he was to go farther for want of means he met a mr samuel leggett who gave him a pass on the splendid steamboat president it seems that this friend in his need had read with indignation the story of his trial the bread which he had scattered from his prison on the waters of public sentiment had thus returned to him after many days in the timely assistance of a sympathetic soul and then again when he was in boston in sore distress for a little money suddenly beautifully the desire of his heart was satisfied but let him tell the incident in his own touching way his face was turned toward baltimore but how was i to return he asked i had not a dollar in my pocket and my time was expired no one understood my circumstances i was too proud to beg and ashamed to borrow my friends were prodigal of pity but of nothing else in the extremity of my uneasiness i went to the boston post-office and found a letter from my friend Lundy enclosing a draft for one hundred dollars from a stranger and as a remuneration for my poor inefficient services on behalf of the slaves the munificent stranger was ebenezer dole of hallowell maine money thus acquired was a sacred trust to this child of providence after deducting the expenses of travelling he goes on to say the remainder of the above-named sum was applied in discharging a few of the debts incurred by the unproductiveness of the genius and returned to baltimore but he did not tarry long in that slave-ruled city Todd sued against him was tried after his departure and the jury soothed the Port merchant's wounded pride with a verdict for a thousand dollars he never attempted however to enforce the payment of the same being content probably with the vindication which his legal victory gave him before the reformer left baltimore he had definitely abandoned the plans looking to a revival of his interest in the genius he determined instead to publish a sheet devoted to the abolition of slavery under his sole management and control this paper he proposed to call the public liberator and to issue from washington the prospectus of of this journalistic project bearing date august eighteen thirty declares in its opening sentence its primary object to be the abolition of slavery and the moral and intellectual elevation of our colored population i shall spare no efforts he pledged himself to delineate the withering influence of slavery upon our national prosperity and happiness its awful impiety its rapid extension and its inevitable consequences if it be suffered to exist without hindrance it will also be my purpose to point out the path of safety and a remedy for the disease this comprehensive and aggressive plan of campaign signalized the rise of an abolitionism wholly unlike the abolitionism of any previous time in the history of the country it did in fact date the opening of a new era in the slavery struggle in america with northern indifference and apathy on the subject of emancipation garrison's previous visit to the north had acquainted him their existence he saw interposed the main obstacle to the success of his new venture in journalism the cause of this callous state of feeling he believed was owing to their exceeding ignorance of the horrors of slavery he accordingly made up his mind to throw the light which he possessed into the midst of this darkness he had written in prison three lectures on slavery and colonization what better could he now do than to deliver those lectures at the north if the good people and their religious leaders knew what he knew they would presently feel as he did on the question he was loath to leave baltimore without giving this testimony against slavery but unable to procure a room for this purpose was finally compelled to content himself with the witness he had already borne in the genius and in prison in behalf of the slave in philadelphia he well-nigh failed to obtain a hall for his lectures but did finally succeed in getting the franklin institute where to small audiences he lifted up his voice against the iniquity of the times he repeated his lectures in new york new haven and hartford but not many came out to hear him the nation its churches and politicians had thrust their fingers in their ears to every cry coming up from the slave why should they go to sup with a madman on horrors with which as patriotic people they were forbidden to concern themselves and so for the most part garrison could do nothing with communities which had eyes but obstinately refused to see with them upon any subject relating to the abominations of slavery in his own town of newburyport officers of christian churches not only refused to hear his message themselves but debarred others from listening to the woes and wrongs of fellow-creatures in bondage as mr garrison truly said at the time if i had visited newburyport to plead the cause of twenty white men in chains every hall and every meeting-house would have been thrown open and the fervour of my discourses anticipated and exceeded by my fellow-townsmen the fact that two millions of coloured beings are groaning in bondage in this land of liberty excites no interest nor pity if these damning facts are remembered sixty years after their occurrence to the shame of the trustees of the two churches viz the presbyterian church on harris street and the second congregational church it is also remembered to the honour of the two pastors rev dr daniel dana and the rev dr luther f that they had thrown open to the prophet the doors of their meeting-houses which the trustees afterwards slammed in his face in boston the same hard luck followed him in all that city of christian churches he could not obtain the use of a single meeting-house in which to vindicate the rights of two millions of american citizens who are now groaning in servile chains in this boasted land of liberty and also to propose just benevolent, and constitutional measures for their relief so ran an advertisement in the boston courier of the sorely tried soul for two weeks he had gone up and down the town in search of a room free of cost in which to deliver his message the door of every sanctuary was locked against his cause it was then as a final recourse that he turned to the courier and made his last appeal to the christian charity of the city the prayer of the prophet was answered from an unexpected quarter it was that ecclesiastical dragon of the times abner neeland and his society of blasphemers who proved afresh the truth of that scripture which says not every one that saith unto me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven it was they that gave to liberty a hearing to the prophet of righteousness a chance to deliver his message it was in their meeting-house in julian hall that garrison gave his lectures giving the first one on the evening of october fifteenth eighteen thirty samuel j may who was present has preserved his impressions of the lecture and lecturer never before he records many years afterward was i so affected by the speech of man when he had ceased speaking i said to those around me that is a providential man he is a prophet he will shake our nation to its center but he will shake slavery out of it we ought to know him we ought to help him come let us go and give him our hands mr sewell and mr alcott went up with me and we introduced each other i said to him mr garrison i am not sure that i can endorse all you have said this evening much of it requires careful consideration but i am prepared to embrace you i am sure you are called to a great work and i mean to help you mr sewell cordially assured him of his readiness also to cooperate with him mr alcott invited him to his home he went and we sat with him until twelve that night listening to his discourse in which he showed plainly that immediate unconditional emancipation without expatriation was the right of every slave and could not be withheld by his master an hour without sin that night my soul was baptized in his spirit and ever since i have been a disciple and fellow-laborer of william lord garrison a new force had arisen in our history and a new epoch had broken bolts for humanity End of chapter 3.